This podcast episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel that generates leads from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Nate. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage it's never been better than this and we got three kids that's who i do it for i'm gonna be a leader i'm gonna lead the way cause i'm a firm believer we can do anything we want i said it then i meant it i probably already did it consider it consider it done if you need some inspiration you should play this championship leadership podcast hey bailey Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Championship Leadership. I'm excited today. We have Rob Wolf with us today. And uh, Rob, he is a two-time New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Solution and Wired to Eat, is a former research biochemist and one of the world's leading experts in paleolithic nutrition. Wolf has transformed the lives of tens of thousands of people around the world via his top-ranked iTunes podcast and widely popular seminar series. I appreciate you so much for taking time. I know you're a busy man, and, and uh, it's just excited to have you here with us today. The first question I'd love to get into here, the name of the podcast is Championship Leadership, and I always like to ask this, what, what comes to mind for you, or what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that phrase? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I guess you know, leading by example might be the, uh, you know, maybe a little trite, but maybe the first thing that, that comes to mind with that. Um, it, it's, I see this with my kids. Like I will try to provide feedback to them about what they're up to. And then later in the day, I'll realize that I am not actually doing the thing that I provided input to them to, to yes. improve their life, you know, and, and that's, uh, it, trying to remain aware of that and then actually circle back and say, well, if that advice applied to them, it should probably apply to me too. And then it, it just provides yeah. that consistency also because dude, kids are just so smart and they, they pick up those little inconsistencies and yeah. they fixate on them and play with them and everything. Yeah. And so I, I think, so leading by example, I think is a big, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's so true. Right. And I was actually just talking about this on a different podcast of, uh, as a coach myself, you know, leading others, kind of helping them along the way. It's like, uh, I want, I want to make sure that I'm leading a life at the, at its higher standard. Uh, if I'm going to tell others to do the same. And, and it's so, I mean, it's just as a parent, 
Um, sometimes we can get caught in that, well, do as I say, but not as I do, right? Because they are, they're always watching <clears throat> and uh, they're watching more of what we do than, than, than what it is that we say uh, yeah. oftentimes. So yeah, I just yeah. love it. Um, well, tell me and tell the listeners a little bit more about you. Obviously, I've been following you for a long time. Uh, I've, I've seen you on Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, and, uh, been enjoying your book. Um, and then also just, uh, you know, I own a CrossFit gym. And, and so this, this conversation of nutrition and what you're doing and what you've been doing for people, I think is amazing. So, but yeah, please give us maybe a little bit of a, a background on you and how you got to where you are today. Sure, sure. Uh, trying to keep it brief, but I, I was a research biochemist a, a very long time ago, had a pretty significant health crisis. I had ulcerative colitis so bad that they were looking at, at uh, chopping large chunks of me out. And I was uh, uh, savvy enough with medicine to know that that was a really bad idea. Like I, I didn't want to head down that route. And uh, doing some tinkering with my nutrition, I, I kind of got onto this paleo diet topic. And this was right around 1998 that I, I first started tinkering wow. with this. Yeah. And around 2000, 2001, I was poking around online and I found this kind of wacky workout called CrossFit. And uh, <laughs> my buddy and I, Dave Warner, who's a retired Navy SEAL, we started working out in his garage. And within about, and we were following the workout of the day. And within about three months, we had about 15 people that we were training in there. Like okay. just kind of word got out what we were doing. And, and before we knew it, uh, we had a bunch of folks that we were, we were training and we really enjoyed it. And I wrote a letter to the Glassmans. I'd interacted with them a, a fair amount online, even at that very early date. But I wrote them a letter just basically saying, hey, we would like to open the gym. We'd like to call, call it CrossFit. Can we do that? And they said, yes, go be achieve. And that was the first CrossFit affiliate gym, CrossFit North up in Seattle. And it was about wow. six months later, I had an opportunity to move down to Chico, California, where I did my undergrad. And I opened what was then the fourth CrossFit affiliate gym in the world, CrossFit NorCal. And, you know, this, if you do a Google Trends analysis, if you put in paleo diet and CrossFit, like they lived and died together. They, they really went in lockstep with each other, but it was a really cool opportunity for me because I got to work with just thousands and thousands of people. And uh, although working with elite athletes, are, it, it's cool. My real um, passion has been a significant illness, uh, particularly autoimmune and gut related problems. And I think that that's because I've suffered from those. My mother ended up dying due to complications from those types of things, as did my, my wife's mother. So I had a real passion for that. And so even though we kind of had a, a, a shell of kind of elite athletes that we worked with, my core was just mm -hmm. sick, broken people and trying to help them get, get healthier. Because if we could change things for them, it might literally save their lives. Yeah. And so that, that led into, uh, the podcast, um, two New York times, bestselling books, doing consultations with everything from Naval special warfare to, to NASA. And it's been really cool. And, it, and again, I, I think my comparative advantage in all this stuff is that I've really disproportionately looked at the, the, um, the health considerations of all this stuff. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can, you can lose weight and get skinnier and stuff like that. But for people with autoimmune diseases and different gut illnesses, um, the food quality 
story is really where the rubber hits the road. Like mm -hmm. eating less mm -hmm. bad food is clearly better than eating more bad food. But it, yeah. at the end of the day, if somebody has terrible gluten or dairy intolerance, uh, uh, some amount may still be too much for them. And so I think that I've had a real uh, disproportionate degree of success because I use this kind of ancestral health model that includes uh, considerations of sleep and movement and community as well as uh, clearly the food. Yeah, it's an incredible story. So I'm just thinking like, man, the first and the fourth CrossFit gym. And then of course, just uh, the impact that you've made along the way. Um, you know, some could say it's, it's, it's great timing, but also I just think as a, as a leader, you're definitely a leader in this industry. And, and it's, it's so challenging because like, man, there's so much information out there on, and it's just like so confusing <laughs> because right, every other right. day there's an expert that's coming out and it's just good to see someone like yourself that's been there for like for literally from the beginning um, for a very long time, showing up consistent message, right? And, and of course, then there's the results that you help people get, but how hard is that, what's the battle like for that? Because it's, it, it, it's tough for me because, you know, as someone that's always like trying to figure out that nutrition piece and uh, I, I guess I'm an athlete, but you know, kind of like a weekend warrior type athlete, staying, right, right. Staying, staying fit and continuing to push and challenge myself and, and then figure out how nutrition plays into that as, as well as being an entrepreneur and, and having three kids, you know, 11, mm -hmm. nine and so like, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult and don't know what to believe. And, um, what's that battle like for you as a leader in this uh, charge to to really help with the confusion that's out there? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. So if you go into Google and you put in ketogenic diet, you'll yeah. get a million search returns in yeah. less than a minute. If you go yeah. to the second largest uh, search engine in the world, YouTube, you get like three quarters of a million returns in less than a second. Wow! And so we're we're buried under information. This mm -hmm. is an interesting factoid that I learned uh, a couple of weeks ago. But if we look at everything that humanity knows, the totality of human knowledge, 90% of that was discovered in the, the last two years. <laughs> and, and that's the way it's moving forward. Wow. It's growing exponentially. And the bulk of what we're learning has, has been learned very, very recently. So mm -hmm. we're we're buried under information, but it's, it's really fascinating. We know more about diabetes than we've ever known in our history, but yet uh -huh. rates continue to so climb continue and well. obesity. You know, we know more about this stuff. There were something like 30,000 peer reviewed papers published on type two diabetes in 2016. Wow. But yet we're almost flat footed in being able to deal with it because I, I would go out on a limb and say that the things that we're recommending to people, the wisdom that we use to, to apply on this stuff is broken. We're just telling people the, the, the wrong thing. But the, a, a big challenge is that people are buried under information. There's so much information that's kind of hard to stay on top of this stuff and yeah. has some wisdom about how, how can we pull something out of this? And again, um, uh, for me, I use a couple of different, uh, uh worldviews or, or frameworks, you know, it's like different colored glasses that I put on to view the world. And I, I use the picture of kind of evolutionary biology, economics, and thermodynamics, basically energy inputs and outputs. And that's the way that I, I begin looking at anything. So like if somebody came to me and they said, Hey, um, ethanol made from corn is a great solution to long-term energy needs. 
and be yeah. like, okay, well, let's look at that. And how much energy do we put into making a certain amount of ethanol versus how much energy do we get out? And what we find is that the farmers that make ethanol for, for say like a gasoline additive, they run their tractors on gasoline because it takes <laughs> more energy than you get out of it. And so that's a boondoggle. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a complete boondoggle. And so yeah. this perspective of evolution, economics, and thermodynamics, it doesn't tell you everything, but I would make the case that if you're not starting a look at the world with those things as kind of your orienting compasses, it, it, it's magic and voodoo. Like you really don't have a, 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 a reasonable ability to make some sense out of that stuff. So again, I, I think I've had a little bit of a, an advantage in that every time I'm, I'm uh, presented a question about something, you know, so like um, there's a, a atherogenic blood protein, lipoprotein called lipoprotein A, LP little a. It's in the family of, LDL particles, which are usually considered bad cholesterol. Yeah. And, and people with high levels of LP little a, they do seem to have higher rates of cardiovascular disease. There's no doubt about that. But I was poking around thinking about it. And I'm like, well, what's the trade-off here? So what, what you, and what we find is that people with high levels of LP little a, they survive septic events much better than other people. So like if you, if your pancreas or your uh, appendix explodes and you, uh -huh. you, you end up with a uh, septicemia, people with high lipoprotein counts, high cholesterol counts tend to survive that better than people with low levels. So now there may be a trade-off. It may increase no, your okay. cardiovascular disease risk in the long term, but as far as being able to mitigate infectious disease risk, it's actually a benefit. And so yeah. nothing in biology is, is a cut and dry, like, you know, this is a pure advantage. Uh, people that are really fast twitch and explosive tend not to have great endurance. Somebody that has great endurance tends not to be real, you know, twitchy and yeah. explosive. And, and uh, so I, I think being able to look at different things from that perspective and ask questions about like, well, what are we trying to do? What's the goal um, people ask questions like, is fasting a good idea or not? It's like, <laughs> what do you want to do? Like, what's yeah. the goal? You yeah, know, yeah. if, if you, question, right? if you are somebody that has suffered from disordered eating and you're underweight and, uh, uh, you, you know, like you've had some anorexia, bulimia in your, your past or something like that. Intermittent fasting is probably a terrible idea. Um, uh -huh. if you are a, high motor CrossFit games competitor, and you're doing three workouts yeah. a day, intermittent fasting is probably a terrible idea because you're already pushing your body to the absolute limit. Yeah. If you're kind of a mellow type B personality computer programmer that's sedentary, intermittent fasting is probably the bee's knees, you know? And, and so it, it's, um, it, amidst all of this information, I, I think a, a good way to make sense of it is again, finding these overarching frameworks, but then just being very specific about what do you want to get? Like, what's the goal? What type of risk do you want to mitigate and stuff like that? And then we can, we can usually construct a, a plan. And then with that plan, it's always great if you can have some quantifiable measures, you know, like what's yeah. the objective and then what are the known outcomes of, of implementing that? And if we're on point, then we predict something and we get it. And if we miss, then we predict something, we get something different. Well, why did we get something different? And then we can, we can make adjustments from there. Yeah. Well, you know, thinking back to what you're talking about diabetes, right? 
and just how it continues to go and, and skyrocket. And, uh, but yet there's all this information, all these studies being done and, and, and so they don't necessarily line up. So how much in my mind, I'm, I'm just like, well, how much of it for people is just knowing what to do or not to do as far as when it comes to nutrition and fueling your body and what you're eating and like just mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Just shifting someone's mindset, their habits, their routines, like their lifestyle as a part of that. Like how big of a, a piece is that to it? Is that something that's overlooked? Is that something that is it a factor? You know, when you dig around and look at, at uh, behavior change, one of the really key features, and this is like if somebody manages to quit smoking, uh, modify drinking habits, uh, lose weight, the folks that are successful usually have a pretty good social support scene. And the flip side of that is the people who struggle, their social support is usually not on board with what they're up to. And this can be really a challenge. Like one of the most common things that we would hear when we had a brick and mortar gym was how do I get my wife, how do I get my husband to do the thing that I'm trying to do? And not infrequently, the, the, the spouse or significant other would actively undermine the person yeah. because whatever brought them together, um, the way the gears meshed previously, when that person starts changing, those, the gears don't really mesh the same way. Mm-hmm. And the other person either needs to grow or they end up growing apart. And so we, we saw a lot of people... Um, bail on the process or bail on the relationship. And, and um, I think that that's one of the benefits of, of things like jujitsu schools, uh, CrossFit gyms is that you do have that community there that can offer support and kind of help provide some lane lines for you and, and have kind of a reality check for you when you're, you're struggling. And so when folks try to affect change in, in a silo and isolation, it's hard. And I think to some degree, this is why we also see women succeed to some degree disproportionately in the story because they tend to maintain better social connections. Women tend to be earlier adopters. They tend to um, network a little bit better. Like men just kind of like suffer in silence, don't really reach out to their buddies. Um, And and so uh, we we tend to see more success in women and, and better success in in general. And I think a lot of it falls back to, um, uh, the social connectivity and, and, uh, finding, you know, people that can support them and moving through this whole thing. Yeah. That's an important piece. And I, uh, hadn't really thought of that before, but yeah, what would be some ways that you could create some, some more of that community, right. Uh, to help some of these people out through that. Yep. Yeah. Um, who are some people in your life, you know, whether it's leaders, coaches, mentors that have impacted you directly, indirectly that you've looked up to along this path that you've been on? Um, and maybe more, more importantly, like really what are some of the things that you've taken from them that you've learned that you've implemented that have helped you to kind of become the, the person that you are, the leader that you are um, in your space? Man, uh, so I, I mean, uh, uh, Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, has been hugely influential for me. Um, and it's funny, like he and I have had uh, multiple kind of fallings out, fallings in. Um, currently, <laughs> yeah. we're, 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 we're in and we, in. we okay. communicate a lot, yeah. um, you know, but it, it, Greg's legitimately a genius, like brilliant guy, thinks yeah. about just so many interesting things at such a high level. Uh, but one thing that I learned from him is that 
he, like some other very smart people that I've seen, is right about so many things that he assumes he's right about everything. <laughs> and and in in certain circumstances, uh, he's had people that I'll, I'll say like myself that maybe had a little bit of an insight about some of what they were up to, and and they would have done well to pause and give some airplay to the notion that like yeah okay you're you're right a lot, but you might yeah. be out in the weeds on something like this. And so that was something that um, was is informative and influential for me about what not to do, and yeah. and yeah. so. I, I really try to surround myself with people that um, I notice that they will call me out on stuff. They're like, Hey, have you thought about this? Or I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about moving somewhere or whatever. And I throw out some ideas and they're like, have you, do you know anything about that location? You know, and they will really give me some, some pushback on it. And, mm -hmm. and then I, I do the crazy thing and actually listen to them and think <laughs> about it. And in yeah. uh, that way, like you, you, uh, if you can surround yourself with people that you trust and that care about you and, and they're reasonably smart, like you can go from kind of average intelligence to genius level intelligence because you're able to augment your knowledge and your experience with these other people. So you don't need to be on the hook for every single thing. And a uh, good buddy of mine, John Wellborn, he's a NFL veteran, played 10 years in the NFL. And that guy has, has lived like 50 different lives. Like he, uh, he is has made really good friends with people say like in the special operations community in particular, the seal teams. Yeah. And he got in and started doing technical shooting, pistol, carbine, long rifle. And John will go out shooting with seal teams and he'll shoot middle of the pack for a seal team, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, he just finds people that are, exceptional at what they do. He shows up on day one with his white belt on and he's proud of the fact that he's an ignorant beginner. And then in two years, he knows 85% of what somebody who's been doing something for 20 years yeah. because he, he will expose his, his ignorance in the places where, where most people will tend to try to protect their ego by yeah. putting on a veneer of, of yeah. competence. He's exactly the opposite. He, he actually pressure tests his everything that he doesn't know so that he can shorten the cycle of being dumb. And mm -hmm. then he, he learns from these people. And I've seen very few people do that in the same way that, that John does. Uh, he learned welding over the last like three or four years and people who've welded for 20 years, they look at his beads and stuff like that. And they're like, how long have you been doing this? And he's like two years. And yeah. then that's where he takes pride in it because yeah. he gets right. almost as good as they are. And he has, yeah. 10 times less time in the trenches, yeah. but it's the, um, something I've learned from John is to be very process oriented and, and, yeah. and, and try not to arrive with a lot of preconceived notions. If you're going to do something, have a beginner's mind and then really look at the process and be critical of the process. And, mm -hmm. and does the process include feedback so that you can tell when you're doing it both right and wrong and so I, I would, uh, two major influences being Greg Glassman and uh, uh, learned an enormous amount from him, both in what to and not to do. And then yep. for, for Wellborn, um, he's just been an incredible friend and a, a real uh, kind of beacon of how to improve yourself uh, because the guy is so accomplished. He's had so much success, but he just keeps on sticking himself in these new situations where he's a raw 
a recruit and then he'll give himself two, three, four years. And then he's, he's very respectable at, at his skill set in that, mm-hmm. that area. And the process that he applies to that, um, I've gotten better at doing that. Whereas before I would tend to be more the person like, oh, I want to go read a YouTube deal and show up and look like I know what I'm doing. It's like, no, talk to the expert, take your lumps, be a dummy for a while and then shorten <laughs> that, that cycle of being a dummy. Yeah, <clears throat> no, that's incredible. That's great perspective too. And just to be able to be open to, to see that in others and, and be able to, to take that on and try it on for yourself. You know, <clears throat> it reminds me of my daughter's, and my son, they just started karate. <clears throat> their very first day, they uh, the next class is getting ready, and they're in, in their their way to behind, and they got you know blue belts and black belts and brown belts, and and they're but but they're about the same age, and she's just like, oh man, daddy, this is like I, I don't even have a white belt. Look at all these kids are the same. I'm like, yeah, they're the same age as you. Just they've been doing it longer. Like that's why you're here. They all started right where you were in this class, and so right. it's, uh, I love that. It's a great lesson. Um, what is, what's, what's a big vision for you, you know, what, you know, as you continue to make this impact, continue to uh, be incredibly dedicated to what it is that you're doing uh, with all that you do in the books, the podcasts, you know, the seminars, everything else that you're going to educate and, and help and to continue to learn inside of nutrition. Um, what's a big vision for you, you know, over the next five years, let's say, like, what, what kind of impact are you really looking to make? Yeah, yeah. So uh, over my shoulder, we have the the Healthy Rebellion radio. Uh, uh, earlier this year, we woke up and uh, uh, our site traffic had cratered. It was uh, 97% lower than what it had been in oh, wow. recent history. And we started doing some poking around and it looked like there was a Google algorithm update that had really impacted a lot of folks in the kind of alternative medicine, low carb, paleo space and whatnot. Uh-huh. And it, it, it's unclear <clears throat> still what, what the exact driver was for that, whether Google was curtailing access specifically to this information. It, it's also possible and actually more likely that Google is just figuring out that people uh, are making a living off of they're, they're standing within Google and they're like, yeah, you need to pay to play. And so there may be some way of trying to go into that. But the the result was that um, all the work that I've done was effectively like erased from the interwebs, you know, unless you knew to look Rob Wolf, what the health movie review you're, you're never, you're never going to find it. Whereas so there's a a vegan kind of documentary movie called what the health I did a review of it. And it was the number one or number two return on Google for a year, two years. And now it's like page 35. And, wow. and so this thing, it just kind of disappeared. So we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And it, it, backing up a little bit, uh, I'm on the board of directors of a medical clinic in Reno, Nevada. And when I plugged into this facility about seven, eight years ago, they had just wrapped up a two-year pilot study with the Reno Police and Fire Department. They had identified 40 people at high risk for type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. We modified their sleep, exercise, food as, as best we could within this kind of ancestral health framework. And the changes in their blood work were so profound that the it's estimated that the pilot study alone saved the city of Reno $22 million with a 33 to one return on investment. Like it's just amazing oh, wow. stuff. Really and, awesome. and, 
and naively I was like, oh, I'm going to take this and scale it and change medicine, you know, and yeah. eight years later, like I, I have not changed <laughs> medicine. Um, we've, we've had a decent amount of success getting this program out to self-insured captives, uh, self-insured <laughs> captives are bit, usually kind of medium to uh, small to medium businesses that, that really deal with the healthcare costs of their folks directly. It's not like a blue cross blue shield where there's just this, this weird third party payer shell game that's going to go on until it kind of fails. Like these uh, self-insured captives are feeling the real exponentially increasing healthcare costs. And they, yeah. they are yeah. looking for ways to mitigate that. So for a long time, I've known that this ability to identify risk, like what we did with this risk assessment program using advanced testing was really powerful but then I've also known there's a really desperate need for people to have a different payer solution. Uh, the current insurance model is, is pretty broken. And so I've been working for quite a while investigating some options around things called health shares or, or health uh, uh, savings accounts. And so we're investigating that. And the goal ultimately is to have a, a system where people could step out of the third-party payer insurance system, be part of a, a health share, get this advanced testing to identify what their real metabolic health and risk is, yeah. and then to the degree necessary, plug them into uh, functional medicine practitioners, health coaches, to yeah. support them on their journey of remaining healthy. And so we have a, a five-year goal of getting a million people out of the sick care system. And my definition for that is that we identify your metabolic risk. We get you out of the third party payer system and we get you hooked up with some sort of functional medicine practitioner so that when you need medical intervention, it's actually dealing with root cause and not just chasing symptoms. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Myself personally, we, yeah, we did the same thing. We're, we're part of a shared plan. We have yep. been for three years now and it's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's just been great. So I love to hear that. That's what, why do you think, you know, you talked about how, you know, and eight years ago you, you made that impact. You had these great results and you thought you're going to kind of take over the world or change the world with that. And it hasn't happened. Like what's been, what was the biggest obstacle there? So there, there were a couple of things. One of them, I was a dummy and I, I didn't remotely <laughs> understand the, the, the magnitude of what I, yeah. I was, yeah. was up to, uh, Another piece is that right around that time, we, we had a, a change in the, the political scene and a lot of what we wanted to do became either difficult or illegal. Like there was really a push to try to get people into like a, a single payer type of, okay. yeah. of scenario. And so it became really hard to be able to do something like that. Uh, more recently, not only are... Um, uh, MediShares more popular and, and, and have broader uh, latitude. Historically, MediShares have only been uh, an outgrowth of religious organizations. Yep. And now you can actually yeah. have a secular organization that, that can offer a MediShare. And so, uh, uh, yeah, and I, I've just learned a ton of things like how to yeah. align incentives. And it, but it's, it's interesting. We were man, maybe six years ago, we were like in the 11th hour looking at, we had put together a business proposal around this, this risk assessment program. Uh -huh. And we had people that were reviewing the deck and were potentially going to put some significant money into funding this thing. And I had a buddy of mine who's very good at business, look at what we had. And he was like, how confident are you of these numbers? And if I was honest with myself, 
the number of people that were able to pay for insurance and then turn around and pay for advanced testing, it was going to be a really small number and a, a number small enough that like the, the, the risk and the squeeze necessary to build this business was just not going to be there. If I lied to myself about the number of people that would do that, it was like, oh yeah, we've got a, a business here. But the fact that now we have a, a legit alternative to the, uh, you know, potential alternative to the third party payer insurance system. Um, if it's so like for my family, we, we had a, a, a HSA health savings account and a catastrophic plan, which we still paid for all medical stuff out of pocket. Like it was, yeah, it was just right. a stopgap in case I got hit by a bus or something, but we were paying $1,800 a month for that. Yeah. And when we shifted to a health share, it went to $510 or something. Yeah. And yeah. so like e even taking a little bit of that spread and then folding it back into the program offering so that every single person has a legit uh, certified health coach that helps steward them through their process and whatnot. And in addition to a, just a, a bigger community, like these are the things that I've learned over the last maybe like five years. Um, we did a lot of work with the Chickasaw Nation uh, they okay. are facing the same problems that everybody in yeah. developed countries are, are facing. And, and what was interesting is they had arrived at largely the same solutions, functional medicine, mm -hmm. ancestral health model, interfacing with gyms, a, uh, a, a, an online community-based interface to get network effects to support people changing. And, and that was cool. Like if you're going to be an, an idiot, it's always nice for, for confirmation bias. It's like, oh, yeah. well, I think this and those guys think this, so we must be right. You know, yeah. and either, either we, we saw the same problems and solutions or we were both equally goofy in thinking about that. But it was, I'd learned a lot and it was, it was a validation, I guess, that we were on the, the right track with this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I love it. <clears throat> What's, um, you know, I want to respect your time here. So uh, as we wrap this up, what's, what are one or two things you could leave with the listeners to maybe just help them move forward a little bit in their life? Man, I, I, one of the biggest challenges that I see people kind of fail on is they don't delineate goals. Like, what do you want? And this is health or finances or, or whatever. And I'll, I'll use health because that that's, kind of more my wheelhouse. But mm -hmm. again, people will say, should I do a ketogenic diet and 21 hour fasts and, and, and on and on and on and <laughs> yeah, on. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. Who <laughs> are you? And what do you want to do? Like, what's yeah. the goal? And, yeah. and, um, if we know who you are, where you are and where you want to go, then there's kind of an implicit roadmap that grows out of that. But what I, I find all too often is people have not really delineated what it is that they want. What's the primary focus? And, and a primary focus doesn't mean that you can't accomplish other things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes along, you know, if I need to go buy groceries, if there's a hardware store and some things along the way, then it, it, it may be amenable for me to get those things coming and going. But sometimes these peripheral things are completely at odds with the primary goal. Uh, like leaning out and gaining muscle mass, it's doable. But if you've already been training for a while, you kind of need to pick one or the other, like a brand new, a, a beginner to strength training 
they can both gain muscle and lose body fat at the same time. And it's miraculous. Yeah. And then if you've yeah, done yeah. any amount of training, that shit never happens ever again, <laughs> That's right. you know? Yeah. And so in that situation, it becomes critical. What's the one thing you want to do? Well, I want to gain 10 pounds of muscle, but I want to be a couple of percentage points lower in body fat. Okay. Let's focus on gaining you five pounds of muscle and then we'll lean you out a little bit and then we'll gain you five more pounds of muscle and then lean you out a little bit. So we have to do some stair, stair step things with the, with the goal setting and, and delineating how we're going to do it and all that stuff. But the, the number one thing that I see hamstring people is that they just don't delineate a goal. Like what is the thing that they want to accomplish? And this applies to in every facet of life. But once you really pin in what your goal is, you have to determine it. it is it, reasonable. And then, you know, if it, if it is, if it's within the realm of possibility, then you, you ask some questions around is, you know, the work necessary to get that reasonable, you know, but we can start really having some conversations about how we can go after this, but all too often, I feel like people get buried under that information overload mm -hmm. and they feel like they should be doing everything all at once. And, and then we end up doing nothing. Yeah. They get paralyzed. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just like, yeah. Someone that's not going to do anything. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, what are some ways that we can um, find out more about you or follow you and what you got going on? Yeah. So uh, the Healthy Rebellion Radio is where we do our podcast and it's a Q&A format. It's a live call-in show. And then also I do expert interviews. So uh, checking that out, like people will stay on top of virtually everything that I'm up to. We also have the Healthy Rebellion, which is a, a pay site where we have a community that folks go to. And those are kind of the two main areas that I've, um, I'm hanging out these days. I've, I've mainly ducked off of social media. I do a little bit on Instagram, but yeah. mainly focusing on, on the folks that are in the Healthy Rebellion. Great. I appreciate you coming on today and, and uh, giving us some of your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks so Huge much. Huge honor. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Invested in myself, I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm gonna lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we Championship Leadership Podcast. Hey, babe.